What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of For the Love of Cinema, a movie podcast, where our motto is, we just hope it doesn't suck. This is episode 328, broken up into two parts, A and B. A. Thank you, sirs. 328A, posting on 5.2, will be a discussion on Guy Ritchie's The Covenant. 328B, posting on 5.5, will be a discussion on the Apple TV film Ghosted, with two of the most beautiful people ever birthed. Chris Evans and Anna Dalarmus. I'm one of your hosts, Grayson Maxwell. Joining me as does every week is my co-host Roger Stillian and our permanent guest, Chris Bond. Gentlemen, how are we? Chris has been back on the ground for about an hour and thirty minutes at this point. Yeah, I haven't been back long. I just got back from Denver. Uh, I'm tired. I'm jet lagged. I feel like crap, but I'm ready to do this thing. So here we go. Yes. So what good. did you What did you pop when you the, the tab? I don't think we were. Was that a monster you just popped? No, no, it's it's just it's a sugar sugar free A and W root beer. There you go. It's root beer sounds thing. delicious. It's the only pop that I can drink that doesn't taste like tinfoil after my bout with COVID like two years ago. Oh, really? That's still that that affected you tasting sodas? Yep. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. When I got it way back, I lost my smell and my taste for a little bit. My taste came back, then my smell came back. But along with my taste coming back, I can't drink like any canned pop anymore. Well, ninety percent of them. And they all taste like tinfoil. It's like I'm drinking like metal, and it just tastes really bad now. So that sounds great. I'm sure it has no, nothing it to sucks. do with the copious amounts of energy drinks that you've had throughout your life, slowly searing the taste <laughs> off your tongue. No, no, they're they're unrelated, 100. How dare you bring this up now? <laughs> Although, look, A and W beer is not a bad choice. That is a delicious beverage to have. Yeah, I, I, I drink. Uh, I don't drink them often, but when I do, we have those little tiny, like, what are those those tiny cans in the office? We That's enough mm-hmm. for me. Like, you actually, about half that size is enough for me because I can't, I hate drinking. So it's just the after the aftertaste. Of the perfect so amount much. of A&W root beer for you is four ounces. <laughs> Interesting. That's the perfect amount. Isn't that what you just said? Yeah. Yeah. Well, so is, is, is that little can eight ounces? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Then, yeah. About four ounces would be nice because I just, I just want enough to, like, get the taste and then. Move on, Chris. What was your favorite pop before you lost your uh Coke? Taste just old fashioned can of Coke, man. Like, I loved loved the burn of drinking it, and it's just I can't do it anymore. It tastes so bad now. Not even like salt, like out of a fountain soft drink. Nope, soda? It, it, I've tried it in every way. I've tried it out of out of a can, out of a glass, out of plastic bottles, out of fountain drink. It, it all tastes, it all has that metal to, like, oh. like twang to it now. I, I don't know why. That's a shame. That's a, that's a damn shame. Here's what it is. You know what about what I mean? you, Robert? What's, what's your go-to for soda? Uh, Cherry Coke Zero, always. Ooh, Cherry Coke's a good choice too. No, Cherry you Coke Zero. You know, when Zero. I was, when I was, I, I, I know, but you drink the zeros. I don't like the zeros. But when I was in high school, working at uh, Carmike, all I would drink for entire weekends would be pop out of the. Oh my god! I'd and I had like the movie theater. And I had like so. Much, I had really bad acne, and my boss was like, "Grayson." I promise you, you keep spending all this money on creams. Just stop drinking pop and it'll go away. I'm like, how is that possible? I stopped drinking pop and like three weeks later, gone. Acne, gone completely. So that's what does it to you. So stop, stop drinking it. You'll stop drinking I remember acne. when I used to drink straight from our fucking icy machine at work. <laughs> Jesus. I drank so much orange cream icy one day. I was like, I'm going to die. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and those large, how many ounces? Was a large drink 44 ounces? It was like 44 ounces. 44 ounces worth of just pure orange syrup. cream sugar syrup <laughs> in your stomach. Yeah. That was no. bad. Against the weight of the movie theater. <laughs> <Especially> no. Those, 
Dude, Roger, that's a true statement. I remember. That's a very true statement. But it's well, a thing. It's like, well, you piece of shit. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, you would drink nothing but pop for days, especially on those Man. on those days where we would just, like, it was like a Tuesday afternoon. Like, what do we do but just sit down and drink soda and just sit on chairs all day? Yeah. Yeah, but Grayson, you didn't have to kill the man. man. <laughs> I would expect the same from him if it was. Oh no, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. sometimes you get bodied. <laughs> <laughs> and again, I I love thinking of Roderick gets so excited for the Icy Man that would come. Him and him and the Icy Man were homies, and I don't even. Understand. We were, we were. If I saw that man right now, I'd give him a full on bro hug. You would, and you'd get so excited like a like a ten year old going downstairs for Christmas. You'd be like, "What swag did you bring me today?" And he's like, "I got something for you." And the day you got that icy hat, that trucker hat, may have been one of the happiest days I've ever seen you. I don't know. The straw was pretty badass, though. Yeah. There was a lot of icy swag, too. But welcome to uh, Icy icy Talk on For Love Cinema. But, uh, yeah, some good memories from the movie theater. What else is going on this week, gentlemen? Anything else? Hmm. Uh, I mean, like nothing new. I Like I said, I got back from Denver. I went and stayed with my cousin for, like, five days. I went into... The, my new company's office for the first time met some people. It was, it was how was it? It it was it was a good time. Uh, I got to kind of like just work from a different location, which was neat. Like whether it be in the office or still working remote while I was uh, at my cousin's place. But going to the office and going into de- into like the core of downtown Denver and going to you know the building where all you know most of my coworkers I interact with works. That was that was really cool. Got to you know meet people, put uh, faces to voices and stuff like that, and. It was a good time. We had a small happy hour afterwards, which not, isn't usually my thing, but you know, company paid for it, so why not? So, yeah, yeah you good. learned a valuable lesson about opening text messages while you're at work. No, oh, God, yeah. <laughs> but what is, what is yeah. this? Hold on, what's going on with that? <laughs> you should know what's what's going on with that. Did you text that to me, Roger? Or was that in our group? No, that was. I think just, just to me. you. I think. Okay, yeah, Roger sent me a text message in the middle of the day, and like a fool, I opened it while I had like three or four other uh, my coworkers near me that don't know me that well yet, and at least two of them saw the text message. The text message, the picture that Roger sent me. Oh, Let's man. just. Let's just say it wasn't safe for work, nor is it safe for our family-friendly podcast. But uh, but yeah, so instant Look, I want you to understand something. That shit was funny as fuck. It was. It was good. But God, talk about the wrong time to open a text. Holy cow. Yeah. Hey, so. those are decisions he made, not me. That's true. Mm-hmm. That's you know. That's true. It's on you, Chris. Kind of. I would like oh, to tell no, you. No, I say. I well, well, it was not safe for work. I sent that to you while I was at work. <laughs> I expect no less. Yeah, I expect yes. absolutely no less, no less. All right, gentlemen, what say you we do a show? Yeah, I think we're ready. All right, guys, this is episode 328 of For the Love of Cinema, a movie podcast about movies, film, and cinemas post each and every Tuesday and Friday at 5 a.m. on Podbean, which then distributes to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music. Each and every week, we start with the box office currents and upcoming releases, what streaming trailers and movies of the week. Without further ado, Let's jump into the box office, and as probably no surprise to anybody, the Super Mario Bros. movie still dominating <laughs> the top spot. Forty million domestic. God. I know it's mm-hmm. it's over the it's over the billion mark. One point zero two two billion. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I didn't think I was going to get the billion mark. I'm wrong on that one too. Holy crap! Hey, I wasn't. We, we know. No. All right. Evil Dead Rise. 
Number two, still doing very well for itself. Several weeks in, 12.2 million, bringing a worldwide of 62. That's really good for a rated R. It's not like a 10 million budget movie. Like, yes. God. Are you there, God? It's me, Margaret. 6.8 million domestic, bringing a worldwide of 6.8. That's great. John Wick, Chapter 4, 5 million domestic, with a total of 402. That thing is still soaring along. Good for you, Keanu. Good for you, man. And Star Wars Episode Six: Return of the Jedi did very respectably for a re-release. 4.7 million domestic, bringing its worldwide to 4.7 million. Now that, after a while, is just going to be added to the total of the movie, right? How's that? I don't even. I don't, I'm not, I don't, I don't even think it works that, that way. Works. Uh, you're you're the movie guys. You should know how that works. Well, I I thought I knew how that worked, and then I, I looked at Titanic a few weeks ago, and it's got them both. It's got the several. It's got like the Titanic original release, and then all the re-releases. I was like, why would that just go into the the overall take of the movie? It doesn't make any like, sense. Like, like into the pool. Yeah, why wouldn't it? But I mean, maybe it's to stop him from just <laughs> keeping releasing that stuff. But yeah, because six through ten are as follows. Here's some of the interesting ones, though. Dungeons and Dragons still doing very well at number six. Air number seven. Number eight. Pon Ponian Selvin Part Two. Don't know what that is. Number nine. The Covenant. Breaking my heart, that's so low. Number 10, even more of a crime, Sisu is lower. Well, Sisu's not wide release yet. Not wide release yet. And just because I saw it, number 12, Pope's Exorcist. You know, Pope's Exorcist is getting a sequel. (laughs) (laughs) Told you, motherfucker. Well, it's with, hold on, it's with Russell Crowe. So I I, I was half right about that. With Russell Crowe. All right, there's your box office. Not a whole lot of change up there. So half the movies that came out this week didn't chart. Nope. <laughs> nope. Nope. Mm. Nope. 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 That's good, right? It's it's, it's more than half, isn't it? Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. We're gonna find out upcoming releases. Let's take a look at that now. This week, uh, I thought this week would surely knock Mario off its pedestal a little bit. All the new releases, but I was wrong because nope. Mario's just it's number one all the way through till Guardians, baby. Are you there, God? It's me, Margaret, Big George Foreman. Pan and Wendy, The Black Demon, Sisu, and Star Wars Return of the Jedi all came out Friday, April 28th. Friday, May 5th, Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 3, Love Again. May 12th, Book Club, The Final Chapter, Fool's Paradise, Knights of the Zodiac, Rally Road Racers, and Hypnotic. Number 19, Buddy Games, Spring Awakening. Uh, What? The hell is that? Oh, it's Joshua Duhamel. Oh, I saw the first oh, one. Oh, isn't that a streaming movie? It is. It is. I saw the first okay. one of these. It's Paramount. And yeah, I saw the first one of those. There's, there's, I think it's the second one. And Fast 10, May 26th. About my father, Kandahar, The Little Mermaid, The Machine, and You Hurt My Feelings. And yeah, June, starting off, June starting off with The Boogeyman and Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Very strong start. Then following it up with Strays and Transformers Rise of the Beast. That's a very strong start for June. What say you about yes. June, fellas? Yeah, give it to me. Mm. What are you most excited for in June of those four releases? I don't know. I saw I saw the second trailer for um, Transformers. Yeah, yeah, so did I. It kind looked, of into it. Yeah, I just hope they don't fumble like Bay did. I hope they just don't do the Bay schedule of every two years release another one. But that didn't go over like that. Always did it. So, I, so, uh, I mean, I, I want to be clear. I have no problem with a movie coming out every two years. As long as the movie's good, what does it matter? You know, if they have the ability to pump out good good films, then that's fine. It, it, it's just if they end up, 
you know, going into some territory where no one wants to see it because the movies are bad or they're written poorly or no one cares anymore because there's just not enough stakes. Like that, those are all things that are issues. But if they're good, they can come out every two years in my book. That's fine. But if they're good, which is not the case for Transformers, which is the example we just used. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's unfortunate. Let's take a look at what's streaming. This week, we're taking a look at HBO Max. Uh, I went with one of my favorite movies of all time, Lethal Weapon, by director Richard Donner. Mel Gibson, Danny Glover, Gary Busey, 1987. I think the Lethal Weapon and Lethal Weapon 2 belong on the best original sequel lists. And what Donner did with the first Lethal Weapon, I think, is brilliant. And many times over. Most of those conversations between Glover and Gibson, Riggs and Murtaugh, I think, are so well staged, so cleverly done. Uh, that movie, I hope they never reboot because there was that the Lethal Weapon show, which didn't do anything. And now they're doing another uh, Lethal Weapon 5 movie with both Mel Gibson and Danny Glover, who will finally be too old for this shit. He said <laughs> in every movie, but now it'll be true. But I'm very excited for to see what they do with the um, with the sequel. It's like now 20 years. I think what Lethal Weapon 4, Roger, was at 99. Mm, give me a second. I'll find out. I think Lethal Weapon 4 is like late 90s, 98, 99, something like that. But it, it's it's been a while. I know. Like when me and my brother were, uh, when I was 17 or 16, and we went to visit my dad in Arizona. 80, 98 one time. for 98, four, okay. by the way. So we went out there to visit him, and, you know, we were there for like a month at a time, right? So we're there for a while. It's been a couple of weeks. We didn't have anything like really to do at this point. And, you know, we we're like looking for movies to watch, and like we passed up, you know, like, like Lethal Weapon on the shelf, and he asked if we've ever seen it. Me and my brother were both like, no, no, I've never seen a Lethal Weapon movie. Like, he looked at us with such disappointment first, and then we proceeded to watch three Lethal Weapon movies back to back to back. <laughs> so nice. like, that, that was my introduction to Lethal Weapon, and you know, I, I actually really enjoyed it. So it, it, you know, I like the movies now. I, you know, I watch the first one every now and then. I think I think they're good films. Those are excellent. Um, and mm-hmm. well, four is not so much, and three kind of slipped off the radar. Or three slipped off the quality scale too. But the, the first two are great. Third one's a great sequel to two, and then four is a good way to finish that up. But I'm glad we're getting another one. We can do the whole family thing. You can you can make jokes with you know Joe Pesci's character coming back. Um, you know the the weird flirtatious relationship between uh, Glover's oldest daughter and Mel Gibson's character. Like you can do you can continue all of that stuff. You know mm-hmm. Renee Rousseau was the, or was riding the smut. I think she was in there. Was that the third one, right, Chris? Yeah, yeah. Where, where, where she's writing that, yeah, that like the the like the the romance novels, and yeah, they, mm-hmm. there's a lot that they can do with that. And you know, Glover's house getting blown up yet again somehow. Uh, yeah, I think there's a lot to work with there. But I'm very excited. And did you also? So this week, um, I saw. I don't think it was a recent story, but within the past few months, uh, Mel was going back to the cutting room floor for Braveheart, and there is now a four and a half hour cut that Ugh. he. That he Jesus. intended, that he intended to originally release, but the, of course Paramount didn't let him. So, of course, that being my favorite movie of all time, I'm very excited to see the four and a half hour cut. See if the quality gets <laughs> dull. Why do you laugh at that? That one best picture, homie. Come on. Yeah. Do you think I want to watch another two hours of it? Well, no. But, <laughs> but why did I laugh? But but if it's good, does it matter? Like, okay, what if so, what if hold on? What if all that, four hours is great? Let me bring you my main point when we get extended re-releases. Okay. Okay. Do you know why they didn't get released that way the first time? For too long. And? In that case, it was too long. <laughs> well, hold, hold on. That means they cut the parts that they thought weren't good. Mm, they, 
No, I think it's, don't, don't even say it because you oh. don't cut the good stuff. Well, no, but just give me a second. But and editing is also has a flow to it. You can't you can't cut just the bad stuff because then there's still stuff in there that relates to the bad stuff that doesn't relate to the rest of the story. You have to be you have to be methodical with the editing and what whole story beats you edit out and what you keep in. That's important. Sure. But they chose that it wasn't vital enough to keep for part of the plot. That's fair. And I mean, wasn't good enough to have it in because of that. Well, I don't. I also don't think they wanted a four-hour movie. <laughs> That's the whole thing. Is what it's at now is like two forty-five. Well, me now doesn't want a four-hour movie either. Well, you also. It's also very difficult to market. It's also very difficult to make. It's money. not difficult. It's impossible. Well, especially in the mid '90s when that was the thing. It's. It's just it's damn hard to do that, but I'm very excited at the notion. I'd like to see what he comes up with, uh, just to see what it is. I'm sorry, long winded on Lethal Weapon, but Rob, <laughs> you chose a great one, Seven by director David Fincher, Morgan Freeman, Brad Pitt, Kevin Spacey, Gwyneth Paltrow, Arlie Ermey, 1995. What's in the box? <laughs> Jesus, guys, what's in the box? I don't want to say what's in. That. I don't want a spoiler yeah, from no. 1995, oh, right? Oh, spoilers from '95, <laughs> dude. Seven owns, by the way. That movie's so badass. Seven is a great movie. Yeah, I have nothing I mean, else it, to say about it. I mean, it, it is a good movie. It, it's and it's, it's a that's... fun family film. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you'll watch it with your kids if you haven't seen it yet. But uh, bring them around. It, it's got it's it's got a a bunch of high caliber actors from. You know that became who they are now, but you know they were they were some of them weren't quite as you know big as they've gotten at this point, right? So it's yeah. interesting to see them, you know, you know, in their younger, in, their as their younger selves in a film like this. So it is a good one. I, I, I do like I do like that like that movie. Yeah, it's it's been honestly it's been a long time since I watched Seven. Um, so seeing it on the list for HBO Max, I'm gonna have to go fire it up because listen, my wife's gonna get really mad at me when I watch Seven because she's like, I don't want to watch this. <laughs> Oh because, yeah, I mean that's fair. You know, well, seven though it may be a good movie, it's not the easiest movie to take. It, in it is. Either. It is not. Yeah. <laughs> it is not. Um, yeah, but also there's a lot of good stuff streaming on HBO Max right now. I just watched The Hangover, and the in, original in, one, none the of original, the other ones. The original, the original Hangover, and it must be a Todd Phillips thing. But Roger, you know, there's a word in the beginning of the same word in the beginning of um, old school is said several mm-hmm. times in yeah. And I just, I, I just, that movie, the original Hangover, I think is like one of those benchmark movies that steered radar comedies in a certain direction that we've gone today. Yeah. It's just, it's, I, I even forgot about like the tiger in the, in the, like, and what do tigers <laughs> dream of <laughs> when they take a little tiger snooze? Yeah. Yes. And I, I forgot when they were the, the valet, when they were, when, when the guy pulls around their car and he pulls up the cop car, <laughs> I just started laughing because there you go, officer. He's like, "What the fuck?" And then when they have the baby at the table, and like Galifianakis is like, "Stu, look!" And he's like, using his hand to like the baby, and he laughs, and it's like, "Stop it, stop it!" Like it, it's just funny. Like it's just that movie is actually is as immature funny as you get, but it's hilarious. Yeah. Oh man, no, oh, it's man. it's perfect, yeah, perfect in every way. And then the third one, the second and third one, just not yeah, so good. Know. Yeah, I don't know what they're trying to do with that, but not good, Bob. All right, Chris, your choice. Rush Hour by Brett Ratner, Jackie Chan, Chris Tucker, Tom Wilkinson, Chris Penn, 1998. I mean, so this movie, my brother's a bigger fan of Jackie Chan and Rush Hour than I am, but... Because of that, I got to see this a lot growing up. Once once it came out, it it, it spawned some sequels, but 
this one has all the magic in it. And Chris Tucker with paired with Jackie Chan, I think is a great comedic duo. Uh, Jackie Chan isn't uh, not used to this because of things like Shanghai Nights and Shanghai Noon with Owen Wilson. I like it when Jackie Chan's paired with somebody like this, where you get a lot of comedic value out of like the other side that Jackie Chan's with. And he works very well with them to bring that out too. And Rush Hour is just fun. It's got a, it's got a lot of good sequences, a lot of things that are you know memorable and repeatable, and it's entertaining. It's a funny movie that has a has a pretty satisfying ending too. I think for like what's like an action comedy from what is it back in the early, early 2000s or late 90s? 98, man. Yeah, 98. Yeah. So there's uh, there's there's another one coming too. There's a fourth movie yeah. coming. Yep. So I'm really excited about that. Again, I hope they utilize the the decades have passed kind of sequel itis thing and well sequel thing and just go with it. How we've been going with some sequels that have been done very successfully, but yeah, I'm, mm-hmm. I think those are some solid picks. Lethal Weapon Seven and Rush Hour. We have a thing for the '80s and '90s today, I guess. It seems like it. Yeah. Let's talk about some trailers. Here's a big one, a big contention trailer right now is White Men Can't Jump, with uh, Senqua Walls, Jack Harlow, Lance Reddit, uh, Tania Taylor, Laura Harrier feature on hulu what are we thinking about this who buddy um so white man can't jump is an iconic movie that like really brought some like you want to talk about big news for rated r comedy right <laughs> like that was one of the like innovators for that back in the back in the 90s and with woody harrelson and wesley snipes and i think this movie's probably should have been untouchable but i guess i'm wrong no, I so, would have. I, I would have agreed with you. I would have put nothing, this on the list of movies not to touch. Nothing's untouchable at this point. You guys should know that. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate because movies like that should just be they're perfect the way they are. Like, I don't think you could make white men can't jump better. All you can do is make it different. And well, I mean, also, it'll just be funny, probably right. Like that's yeah. the plan. But I mean, I, it, here's the thing. At least they're being like they're 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 modernizing it, right? They're not trying to just remake like what we already know with like the same exact story beats it seems like they've gone enough like away from enough from the original to like where they can call it its own work besides the you know in name because no one here is recognizable right and you know they I mean, mentioned... jack harlow is pretty recognizable yeah, okay harlow, yeah definitely. well yeah but like they're mentioning things like you know like current like uh like cash apps and venmo and stuff like that yeah like like those well, kind of jokes it's are set in modern times yeah, yeah. exactly like, like they're, they're definitely modernizing it and like there's one li- the line at the end of the trailer is pretty funny where he tells him like you know you should you should tap into your trash talking abilities because you have material I, I can't even begin to touch <laughs> and he's like yeah and no he, that's he funny responds, yeah like it like so good so i think that's you know that's not a bad look and I'm surprised. I was surprised when it showed the you know streaming on Hulu thing. I thought this looked like a theatrical trailer, so it looks good. You know, it looks professional at least. It looks up to par with you know movie standards that I would you know go to the movies to see. Well, I mean, Hulu Hulu can kind of do its own thing. Some Hulu originals have been pretty decent though, so yeah. it's not outside the realm that this might be entertaining. I I mean, I have to look at it through the through the tinted glasses here of like, I don't know if I would have went with this direction in making this movie, but look, as long as it's not terrible, I always like a good basketball movie. And Mm -hmm. obviously, you know, if you ever watched the original white man can't jump, if you haven't, you should. Um, It's, it's an excellent movie. So I'd like to see how this turns out. Yeah. The the, the, the duo in the original, for those who don't know, was uh, Woody Harrelson and Wesley Snipes. Which, of course, is that was kind of an unheard of thing at the time, but man, it worked so goddamn well. Again, it's one of those movies that I didn't, 
I would have thought would have never been touched, but I guess well, here we are. We're wrong. We're wrong. But <clears throat> I'm weirdly excited to watch it because I'm a big fan of the original. So let's talk about the Equalizer three with Denzel Washington, Dakota Fanning, uh, David Denman, and Sonia Armour feature. Now I I think it's interesting if I'll just put this in real quick and you guys can talk. Is um so the Equalizer is. I think it's really great that they have Denzel and Dakota back together because you remember man on fire mm-hmm. Denzel was rescuing Dakota Fanning. And, and the first yeah. half of the film was all about was her letting him know or showing her in different him in different ways that it was okay to live again. And he was in the beginning of that movie. He's, he's trying to kill himself. He goes to see his friend Ray in Mexico, Christopher Walken. And that's when the bullet doesn't fire. And you know, that's that great conversation. He had, he calls, Christopher Walken on the phone and he says, have you ever heard of that? And he's like, what were you shooting at? And then he like, that's just a great conversation. Bullet never lies. And of course it comes to later in the movie when he gives the bullet to the father who arranged the kidnapping for the collecting of the ransom. It didn't go his way. Like it's just there. That's bringing up a lot of those vibes to me. And I appreciate that. I very much, the conversation we get in the trailer is supposed to invoke man on fire feelings and I'm okay with it. Hmm. How do you guys feel about equalizer three? So well, we we had a small discussion in our group texts a couple of days ago when we finally dropped this trailer, and you you're definitely more excited for this movie than I am. Now look, I enjoy the first Equalizer movie; I think it's excellent. The second Equalizer, I really don't feel that it had the same kind of pop to it. Um, it's almost like they tried too hard to continue the story for um, what's his name, Robert. Um, they tried to try to dig in a little deeper to it. I don't know if we really needed that, but I mean, ultimately we're going to get some ultra violence and some funny moments probably. So I'm here for it, but I'm a little tepid because the last movie wasn't so good to me. Yeah, but the first one was so good, (laughs) but the second one's not. That's what carries me though, is the quality of the first one. I wouldn't forgive it. If a fourth movie is on the horizon and the second two sucked, I wouldn't be feeling the same way. But the first one is so good that I kind of forgive the sequel for doing what it did. And I hope that they learn from their mistakes. And this one will go back to more of what the first one did. <laughs> I would argue I'm that hoping. they never learn from mistakes. Well, Hollywood, yeah, you're right about that. Hollywood would, you know, would suggest that they don't learn from their mistakes. You know what else but, Hollywood likes to do? Filet itself. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 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 Um, all right, Chris. So, are you excited about Equalizer three? So, I I didn't see Equalizer two. So, I've only seen Equalizer one, which is which is a good film. Um, I just never got around to two. I heard bad things about it, so I never dug into it. So, I may watch the second one before we see this one, just so I can kind of have that comparison of is it better than the second one? But at the same time, I don't want to hurt you know put myself through misery to get to there. So. But I, I'm excited for three because, you know, the only memories I have of Equalizer are fond ones. So we'll see go. how it goes. I, I, I think it looks like it look, looks like a, it could be a fun film and trailer. And The Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes with Rachel Zegler, Viola Davis, Peter Dinklage, uh, Byrne Gorman, Jason Swate, <clears throat> Schwartzman, Tom Blinn, Fiona Flanagan in the feature. What are we thinking about this one? I, I don't know. <clears throat> I, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm trending towards thumbs down on this one for me but i don't need this this looks bad this looks terrible so i will stand for this movie um so i 
listen, I'm not so hot on the Hunger Games movies, okay? Um, especially the last the last two, you know, which should have only been one, but for some reason they wanted it to be two. Um, the book that this is coming out of, it's from the lady, Susan Collins, Suzanne Collins, who wrote um, the other Hunger Games stuff. To me, this story of this book was the best story of all the Hunger Games stories that she had written to this point. And I mean that seriously. Um, this is like, it's a prequel to it. This is like towards the very beginning, which you see in this trailer. Yeah. Um, if this is half as good as the book, man, it should be pretty stall, pretty stellar. Um, here's the thing though. If you're not into the hunger games, you know what I mean? Like if the first four movies didn't do it for you, this probably isn't going to be for you. Um, I don't think it's going to be like, well, you know, maybe I'll go see it just because I know what it's about. I, I mean, I don't know if movies really can do that kind of stuff anymore, mm-hmm. especially. Uh, listen, those movies may, made a ton of money. So I, I like the idea of marketing this story because this story gets pretty dark pretty quick. So I'm anxious to see how this really plays out once it gets into the theaters. But I like this book. I'm excited for this movie. Um, and like I said, legitimately, I think it's the best Hunger Games, single Hunger Games story that she's ever done. I mean, that's all fair and all, but like, even like the quality of the trailer doesn't seem very good. Or I don't know. I, I guess maybe I'm just I'm very uncaptivated by what the trailer has given me. It, this seems like they're it's missing that Woody Harrelson character, or it's missing that you know that Lenny Kravitz character. Like even in the trailers, they were present and they were there and. You know, people were excited to see them. I have no one in this trailer that I'm excited to see. Not a single one of them. And I mean, that's fair. I, think, I kind of feel the same way. Yeah, so like, uh, it feels very underwhelming, and I, I just, I have no reason to be excited for it. You have the move, the the book, like you mentioned, Roger. Mm-hmm. That I at do. least, you, that at least makes you know, like you you think it's good. You have something that you know you, you want the movie to to kind of emulate. I don't have that, and without that, this trailer just kind of falls flat for me. It's okay. all things that I've seen before with less impactful actors and actresses, in my opinion, in in, in those roles. So I'm I'm, I'm, I'm very much lukewarm on this at, at, at this point. Don't worry, we'll have to go see it. So it True. looks like we're going to get a few things. Like we see the, the 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 two commentators, Stanley Tucci plays one. We get this Schwartzman obviously playing the younger version of him. And mm-hmm. I didn't did I catch someone called um, the 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 main the main character the the kid with the white hair Snow. So yeah. it, could this be, is this Emperor Snow? Is this how he becomes? Yes. Okay. It's so him. this is his, okay. So this is one of his. So this, I, is I mean, his, this is his story. So then it's not going so far back that we don't have any tendrils like, you know, no. did. Well, which is also, so one thing, if the movie does it any sort of justice, you'll really understand why Snow is the way he is by the end of this movie. And you'll be like, well, shit, I get it. <laughs> so and what was Harrelson's name? Woody Harrelson's name in the first one? Uh, Haymitch. Hey Mitch, that's right. I was wondering if we're going to see. I don't think the I don't think the timeline works out. Yeah, you will not. Maybe if they do more of them, bridging the gap. But um, yeah, I I kind of just I, this is one of those big franchise, like one of the very few big franchises I just didn't care about. By the time it ended, I just didn't care about. You know, it had Jennifer cool. Lawrence, the first action star ever, the first female action star ever in 2012. She's yeah, I mean, great. it was it was a great thing for her to come out and do that for us. Yeah, but thank you, Jennifer Lawrence. Gee, Louise. She opened so many doors. So many doors. She blazed so many trails for women. It's incredible. Of course, I don't want to sound like a dick, so what I'm referring to is she <laughs> is a, she in an interview has recently said she was the first female action star in 2012. Not 
the dozens of women that came before her that did amazing things in film and cinema, like uh, Sigourney Weaver, like Linda Hamilton, and and a, a gaggle of others. It's just I don't know how you get off saying that, but that will forever be funny to me. But yes, yes, yes. Um, so I hope people like this for what it's worth. If you, Roger, say the book is good, I might. I did read The Hunger Games, so I, I might go back and read the songbird. If you, about, so but... if you like, if you read the Hunger Games books, and so to me, the original Hunger Games book at the time was like one of the easiest action kind of books that I'd have ever read. Like it flowed so, so well. Um, this move, this book does the same kind of thing and it really has that original feel to it. So if you've read those, I'd recommend everybody checks it out and look, man, if the movie doesn't do it for you or the book doesn't do it for you, you know, I, I won't ever tell somebody you have to watch the movie. So I'm excited for it though. Ah, good, good. As long as there's some hype somewhere, but they're pouring a ton of see, Chris, I thought the trailer, I didn't think the trailer looked great as far as writing went, but I think it's obvious they're pouring a ton of money into this. Okay. Well, so I mean, if they're, that's if fair. they're putting, you know, with all the effects and all the visuals, at least there's that. So you're not going to be bored <laughs> watching it. Uh, if you have a bucket of popcorn and do this, it'll it'll be a good it'll be a good time for those that are fans of it. But it look at least looks like they're putting a ton of money behind the production, and that you know always a good thing. Even if it's wasted, it's always a good yeah. thing. Sure. All right, guys. It is that time. Time to jump into the movie of the week, Guy Ritchie's The Covenant. Yes. With the man hated by all Swifties, Jake Gyllenhaal. What? What the fuck did you just say? What? Taylor Swift fans hate Jake Gyllenhaal. Why? Because in Taylor Swift lore, he broke her heart and he stole some red scarf from her or something. I don't know if I understand the whole thing, but I know that Swifties hate Jake Gyllenhaal. Did you just say... Who are you? Did you just say Taylor Swift lore? Swifties, yeah. First of all, you have a a better chance of getting into Harvard than getting a a, a ticket to a Taylor Swift concert. Dude, I can go to Harvard tomorrow if I wanted to. (laughs) You mean attend college? Yeah. What are you talking about? I mean, listen, I'll probably go to jail. But I could fucking be there tomorrow. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about, but I'm, I mean attending as a student taking classes. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That's not what you said. Going to Harvard imp- 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 implies you've been accepted as an 18-year-old going into your undergraduate degree. That's what I Does meant. Does it? That's what I meant. Sorry. It's not what you said. Anyway. anyway so Jake Gyllenhaal, Dar Salim, Anthony Starr, Alexander Ludwig, Emily Beecham, Jason Wong, Bobby Schofeld, Sean Regar. Sarsarn Sagar, Reza Daiko, Abbas Faisal. Uh, Faisi, sorry. I mispronounced some of those. I apologize. Directed by Guy Ritchie. Roger, what's Guy Ritchie's The Covenant about? Um, it's about our man, Jake Gyllenhaal, <laughs> uh, losing his whole platoon and, you know, his interpreter saving his life. And then he turns around and does it for him. Bing. I, so... To start this conversation off, this is this is this was my number one anticipated several episodes back. We did mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we picked uh, a couple movies that we were all really anticipated. I think Chris, yours was Mario. Yep, it was done well for itself. Mine is the Covenant. Uh, Roger, yours was uh, Book Club Chapter Two. <laughs> Good. What, what was yours again? <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. Spider Verse. Spider Verse. Yeah, Spider Verse yeah, was my number two, but the Covenant was my number one. Uh, so I'm always the guy, even in middle school going to the movies with my friends i was the guy in the audience i was the person in the audience that all the trailers were speaking to when they would give you these 
these kind of weird pairings of situations to go together always that just it just blew my mind and and the shtick for this one is it's about it's during the the it's kind of kind of kind of a historical background here it's kind of with the the u.s withdrawal from afghanistan it was quick you know there's a lot of different opinions about it but this is this is centering on some of the interpreters that are left behind and it did not go well for a lot of them that were found but this one this particular story based on true events um, this is the, this is the pairing in the trailer of there's an ambush and the 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 interpreter that the US unit has with them saves one of the guys drags him to the mountain to his base and then gets for some reason gets taken and the guy he saved has to go back in and get him i don't know how yep. you can watch this trailer and not be somewhat intrigued by that i'm i don't understand it my middle school self doesn't understand it my 37 year old self doesn't understand it how you cannot be super psyched to watch this movie but there are a, a thousand movies from then to now that I would argue the same thing. Like, why are more people not excited about this? How are you people not getting it? It's cool. Um, stuff like that. Another one, like you know, uh, uh, a sister in a in an abbey would be you know taken over by the devil. Like that's one of those movies that like that's so why wouldn't it be taken over by the devil? Though, let's be honest. But that's an interesting thing. It's like, how do you people not want to watch this? That's two things coming together. You know, to make a movie, it's cool. <laughs> the but, devil and <laughs> war. <laughs> Two yes. things you know, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean. It's it's a shtick, but I was very excited for the Covenant and did not disappoint me. I was I was worried that it would, but the low box office would suggest people aren't liking it, or for for some reason it maybe it just isn't great. I just don't think people are giving it its its fair due because I've seen it and it's not bad. So uh, I go ahead, Chris, I'm sorry. Oh, because I was gonna say I don't I don't know if it's people not giving it its fair due, but I, I do believe that this kind of movie and this film is going to be hurt by the fact that. It plays to one specific demographic, which is, you know, which is men, right? Like, this is a guy movie. I don't think anyone, I don't think 95% of the women that go see this film are there because their boyfriends or husbands drug them to this film. And I think that's why you're going to see the low showing in the amount of money it makes. And because I'm in your camp, Grace, I think this is a better film than what the box office says it is. But I, I understand why it has a low box office at the same time. Well, using using that, but I I think you're not giving enough uh, credence to as many. I think there are quite a few women who serve in the in the armed forces that also have watched this. I'm I, sure I, so anyway. I said ninety five percent of women. You heard me right. Okay, so five percent. Well, there I'm, <laughs> I'm sure there's a fair number of women who serve that were also excited to watch this. But so the the tomato meter is an eighty three percent. Yeah. The the, mm. the the audience score ninety eight. Yeah. Ninety eight. Yeah, for because a be, movie. because it's it, it's a it's an above average film like like in general in a broad stroke this movie is better than most that you'll go see. I think even more than I, I think even more narrow than broad stroke. I think there's a lot of great things happening here. So um, it's let, it's told in a very weird way though. That's the thing. Yeah. So let me let me let me go over something here real quick, and I don't want to tamper anything down, but um so this movie's metacritic is 63 percent okay so i think that's a more accurate accurate representation of where this movie actually falls on a scale um and to me this movie is it's pretty good right and it but this movie's not for everybody um this movie's paced really fucking weird all right i mean not good, not bad, but weird. Like it flies through certain parts and it drags through others. 
Is that fair to say? Yeah. 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 So I like the 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 beginning of this movie and the end of this movie are paced completely different than the sixty minutes in the middle. <laughs> and like the sixty minutes in the middle are very informative and important parts of the movie that just seem to drag by. And I wish it didn't feel that way to me because like the idea of this movie and the story that it tells, I think is very good, but like that sort of like long break in the middle kind of takes me out of how cool this movie actually could have been. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, like Jake Gyllenhaal is great. Um, God, I forgot what the interpreter guy's name is real quick. Let me pull my cast list back up. I mean, just, just under comment about Jake, Jake Gyllenhaal. He's, he is fantastic in this, but I think he's, he's just good period at this point. Yeah. Dar Salim, like that dude rules. Like yes. I would like to drink beer with this guy <laughs> for real. But like th- this movie is ma- the majority is them for like a long time. <laughs> and unfortunately, it's just him being pushed through a cart. <laughs> um, well, there, we, a we get to understand a little bit about uh, him, uh, Ahmed, the interpreter, about the, the lengths he's willing to go through to protect him. But I don't know if that plays too well on a screen, really. At least it didn't to me. I think there are some things working in the movies, uh, working in the pro column here for the movie is um, maybe in the presentation, it doesn't come across this way. Maybe there's some stuff on the editing room floor that maybe we could have used a few extra minutes here and there. But one of the things I like is both men are, I don't think the movie spends enough time on this, uh, showing you that both men are family men is both have a both have a wife both have either a kid on the way or kids and there there is some time that has elapsed that goes from beginning to end in this so there there is a little bit of time that passes but um it's there there are there are both men that have families there are both family men and they are both they don't really in the beginning they don't really jive well with each other you know there's there's kind of there's a lot of tension there um there's just a lot of angsty tension between I mean, you would already be out in the field. You'd already be super jumpy anyway. And to add to the add to the interpreter, who you don't know, you don't know how the movie paints of, of they don't. Joan Hall people don't really know how the interpreter knows what he knows. He just knows it. Which mm-hmm. it, I mean, look to someone in the field that absolutely would make you jumpy. Of course, oh, it would. but yeah, sure. So I mean, I understand that part of it. Um, again, it's one of those. It's one of those things where a quick conversation could have undone undone this script pretty fast. But they, you know, most movies are undone by one simple phone call or tweet or something anyway. But um, especially these days with social, with uh, the the advantages of communication via social media that anyone can have in a story that don't. But and it's that's part of the that's part of I think the magic is these two men aren't really. It's it's not Jake doesn't go back in and get him because because they were friends. He he goes back in because he's duty and honor bound to do. He it. owes him a debt. Yeah. That's what I. That's again. That's what I. What I was hoping they would go into with the name, the Covenant, which they don't really get into until the very end and during right before the credits of why that's important. I really wish they would have explored that further uh, earlier in the movie, but we did get it. It just didn't come till too late. What do you guys think about what I just said? Well, I, I don't think you have to explore the whole Covenant idea, bef- you know, before they do in the film. I think that the film does a does a very good job of showing why. Jake Gyllenhaal's character feels honor bound and duty bound to go get him, and I th- and 
I think that's why the movie does feel bogged down, like Roger pointed out. If this movie does one thing, is that it shows you why Jake Gyllenhaal's character has to go back. Yes. Period. Like, like, like out of all the things it does in this film, it definitely spends the time showing you why. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't think there's a problem there with this film. Like, like, there's no problem in, in, in that part of the storytelling. The where I could see the the issues and the gripes being with this film in that sense is the fact that it is paced like Roger said, it's paced odd, where this movie starts kind of fast and then it does take its time on you know on the interpreter getting John out, you know, and, and to safety. But it it I almost think it's because they Guy Ritchie wanted you to like really feel the weight and go on that ride with the interpreter's point of view. They wanted, you know, you to see his side because then they do a brief retelling of that whole thing right afterwards with Jake Gyllenhaal kind of remembering everything, right? Remembering bits and pieces. Yeah. yeah, And that's from his perspective. So even so, like they, like, like you said, they weren't friends. I think they got along fine you know, they had, they had points of contention. Don't get me wrong. I would like to see them develop their personal Mm -hmm. relationship a little bit more than what we got. Maybe. Yeah. But the thing is, is because of the act that, the interpreter goes through it doesn't matter how close they were no that that's correct it, like yeah. they do a good job of being like hey you know maybe he didn't like him that much but he owes him you know yeah. which is a very fair thing yeah i was definitely surprised in my seat how long the movie had been before we even get to the point where you know to where uh, john is in trouble and needs to be and needs to be helped and then even more so how long it was before we were going back in for the interpreter. So it, these things do take a long time. However, I had no problem with it. I was along for this ride pretty early on and I, and I enjoyed it. I had no problem with the pacing. I had no problem with the structure and none of that bothered me actually. And which, which I w- I'm surprised about talking about it now, but I do think that this film in the way that they wanted to tell you the story, does a good job. My, my biggest I think I agree with how long they spent getting John out, but I, I can at least see the purpose behind them taking so long on it. I don't agree with it, but I can see why that thing, why that's there. Well, also he does. Do you guys know how long, like how, 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 what the distance of a click is? Cause he said he, uh, they, they just, went a hundred clicks, 120 actually 120 clicks. Okay. Uh, I think if I'm correct, isn't it like 2.1 miles? That's just a that's a long that's two hundred miles in it. No, it's like one point. Hang on. Okay, it's two well, and a half. It's, it's it's two and a half kilometers. Okay, well that's still a that's a long way to go through very hostile territory. So don't one hundred and twenty clicks is. Hang on, because it's point six. Yeah, it's seventy five miles. That's a long way to push someone in a, in a in a cart. Which wasn't the whole way, but it was. I mean, it's a it good was thing. a long way, though. It's a good point you say, Chris, about we feel the the length it takes him to get us. We do kind of feel that weight that Gyllenhaal is weighing him down, literally in the cart. Mm-hmm. We do kind of feel that weight, and there's that one scene when he gets stuck in the ditch that he almost just gives up. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that that was his moment. That was that was his coming to Jesus moment, where if he was going to quit, it was going to be in that moment, and he pushed through it and decided to keep going on and that's when he i think that's when he knew 
he's either going to make this happen or he's going to die trying because I because it's it's then when he thinks I'm going to die if I keep going. Yeah, so, he's committed. And- yeah, that's when he decided. Nope, this is it. This is the path I've chosen, which I think was a big moment. And and I appreciate the fact that like like they sh- they have him on the ground crying, but they never show it. Right? They only show you the back, like the back or like the just enough of the side of his face, and even from. Uh, Jillian Hall's perspective when he's kind of like recapping his memories mm-hmm. because you know he is and that's that's a big moment for the character development and I thought that part was done really well if Guy Ritchie does several things right but one of them he does right is like these weird camera angles that always really mm-hmm. kind of work in his favor and there's several of them uh, one I want to talk about is when the first time they're headed into an ambush and um, the interpreter has the other interpreter on the ground. <laughs> he puts a gun in his mouth, basically. Because yep. he says, this, this guy was going to lead us all to our death. This this guy. Yeah, there's no there. reason for us to take this road. And then it's that, that was really weird. Uh, Gyllenhaal's character, I don't want to say the same Gyllenhaal, is um, John. 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 Real hard one to remember. John Kinley. He's in the extreme right of the of the very wide screen angle. And then the interpreter's in the other extreme left and it cuts back and forth to them kind of exchanging dialogue and I so that was a really interesting choice because that's kind of a kind of an irregular choice for camera angles but it it works so well because of the tension and you see the distance between the two men they're literally as far apart as they can be when you go back and forth on the screen they can be is the, the extreme left and the extreme right so that was really really cool mm-hmm. and but that's definitely a um, a guy Ritchie thing sure um, just like even going back to like Lockstock and Smoking Barrels and Snatch like that is absolutely a Guy Ritchie thing, and even though even though like we've had ones like The Gentleman and Wrath of Man are definitely more traditional Guy Ritchie, I didn't mind that this wasn't traditional Guy Ritchie. It was kind of almost if the needle is if the left side of the needle is traditional Guy Ritchie and the right side is you know a, a normal way of telling the story, it's almost the, the the needle's kind of to the right a little bit. It's kind of like less Guy Ritchie and more normal Hollywood stuff. Does that make sense? Maybe, but I still think that, you know, where, whereas, you know, the way this was shot and filmed is one thing, but um, I, I think Guy Ritchie still put his touch on it from what I understand. Uh, Hall was quoted, not quoted the same, but Hall said uh, in an interview where the script that he got for Guy Ritchie's The Covenant was half the size of his normal scripts of like well, things he's sense. gotten it from 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 like uh, other directors and stuff so like and when he asked guy Ritchie about it guy Ritchie said you know he t- tells him you know I, I i want you guys to figure this out you know live on scene you know it's just yeah. a guideline and that and, and i think that's really cool and i think an actor like like Hall really excels in that environment so most of like a lot of what you see is you know what they feel like is the natural reaction of the characters that they're portraying i think that's really cool to think about where it comes from a place that isn't all writing and memorization and then, you know, acting where it's, it's, it's from these, you know, these people in their craft tapping into how they, how they believe that the people in this story, you know, would really, you know, like, like come, come out. And I like that. Oh, I, I, yeah, I how, how the whole scenario would shake out if they're presented mm-hmm. with it. I get yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. I de- I definitely expected the, the abduction of John to happen after the ambush at the factory. Which I'm surprised it didn't, and it, it didn't happen for like another thirty minutes, almost. Yeah, something crazy like that. I was like, "Oh man!" But I, I definitely expected that to happen sooner. I also didn't expect the time it took for him to. 
I didn't I, I didn't think he'd end up back in California when he was in the hospital. I thought he would just been on a hospital on base somewhere. I didn't think we'd leave Afghanistan to go back to California before we'd the end of the movie. I was surprised that we did that. Hmm. Because it would have it would have made more sense, I think, as a as an artistic thing to leave him in Afghanistan to heal up and then go back in rather than fly him back and forth. No, they don't mess around with uh with veterans when like like when when they're injured in combat or their their POWs for any time. Once they're they ba- stabilized. They basically immediately come back home, period. Yep. Once yeah, they're they, safe like, enough to travel, they yes. they send them yep. back. Interesting. Yeah, and, and 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 as we know, he was pretty much out of it, so he wouldn't have remembered that his time in the Afghanistan infirmary, you know, whatever base he was on. No, because I mean, it legitimately that. skips four weeks before you're even seeing him. Like they're basically bringing him out of a coma. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yep. So I, I, I it makes sense to me that he was already back in California, hundred percent. With just just knowing that. And I want to talk about. Did you guys get the get the vibe? There were like there were almost two different movies here that are two different, like two distinctly different halves of this movie. The first half, I mean, you know, gearing up and then the ambush and then the running. And then the second half was taking him to the base and then Jill and Hall healing and then going back in to get him. Did you think there were two? This seemed like to you there were two distinct halves that were separate from each other? No, I, 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 I not I, like that. Not traditionally. Yeah. No. Yeah, I, I feel like it was it was one film. I just I think it was told in very specific sections to show the growth between these two characters. Because no, like, I get that, but it just felt like two yeah. different. It felt like two different halves to me. It felt like two different, almost two different movies to me. It but may be because it may be because of how how different the movie feels once he's pulled, like when Joe Hall's in, incapacitated and he and he's now in charge of everything. Yeah, like it does feel like a different film in that, in just in like the pacing and what the dangers really are, right? So like before it was guys with guns. Now it's literally you know Everything no one else. can yeah no one can be trusted. The environment's going to kill you if someone with a gun doesn't. There's a lot happening there in that sense, but you know, like like to your point of like feeling like different movies. I think each section is like a piece, is a specific piece of like character it's and growth. Chapter, they're chapters. Yeah, yeah, and like it, it, it's like specific like like growth and development between our two characters. I think when they're running, but and like they haven't been caught yet, like when they're sneaking around the the, the canyon passes and things, like I think to understand is Gyllenhaal's character really understands how um i can't remember his name but like how how the interpreter Ahmed. is yeah how he is with him 100 percent, and they and how much they're relying on each other to survive when you know this man is killing his own you know, what he considers his own people and doing it very brutally and efficiently and Efficient. has his and has his back and they're trusting each other to get out of this when he doesn't have to you know yeah he, he would die too but he could just he could just run Go to a nearby village. Yeah, blend in anything. Instead, you know, he's, you know, he's they're relying on each other here, and that I think that's what begins that bond create that true bond creation of why one pulls the other guy out and the other one goes back for him. Which I think Dude, is a big. Piece when, when they slide down that ridge, oh god, yeah. <laughs> and he gets to the bottom. He goes, "Where's your gun?" He goes halfway up the hill. He's like, "What the fuck?" Yep. He's <laughs> <laughs> just like he's not even mad. He's just disappointed. Yep. I've fallen down hills like that, and it's it's not like it 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 looked good. Like it's not far off. Like you know, I've had to like grab. It's a long way. Yeah, I've had to like. Were you holding an AK forty (laughs) seven? No, no, honestly not. But I I won't go much into it 
you know much more into it but, than this. But like, you know, I'm yeah, I don't think I should. Yeah, like like like, <laughs> like sliding down a like like a steep cl- like hill cliff like that, and then like you know just trying to grab a tree with my arm and yep. the fact that you know like I dislocated my shoulder real bad. Like it's yep. it's a lot of momentum. So like when he hits that tree standing up and like all the air exits exits his chest cavity i felt that like <laughs> like, like like kudos on them that looked real yeah reminded reminded me a lot of you know me as a young child near <laughs> yeah. my near my house there was uh like off the one side of the road like there was like 10 feet of like space and then just like like a leveled tier system all the way down, like a mile down or mm-hmm. whatever. And we used to roll stuff down the hills. Of course. And no, like I, it reminded me like you talking about that reminds me of a story of like, we had this old tire that we kept rolling down and we would drag it back up and roll it again. <laughs> and we thought, we thought it'd be a good idea to have my one cousin, Eddie yes. try to catch the tire. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> like still to this day, I Did remember this tire hit. No, <laughs> It hit him flush in the chest, though, and it's like his fucking soul, like Doctor Strange, <laughs> punched it out of his body. He just like, oh. I don't know what would have been worse. Like, I thought you, I thought you were gonna say he got in the tire and he rolled him down the hill. I don't no. know which one's worse, honestly. Dude, I mean, it it should have collapsed his chest cavity. He should be dead. <laughs> it hit him at full speed after like like eighty feet straight down. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, that, in hindsight, that, yeah. we shouldn't have done that. Probably. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh man, there were so many. There are so many kids that, like, in hindsight, we probably shouldn't have done that. They could. They could look back on several of those. Yeah. And say that. I have multiple moments where people should have died. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, I have like five of them running through my head right now. Yeah. yeah right. <laughs> I think we all do. I mean, it's pretty. We. I think we all do. I don't. That's think a whole fun there. story to talk about one day. Mm-hmm. I don't think you survive as whole, whole second episode. <laughs> I don't think you survive as an '80s or '90s kid without having a few of those stories, or in any without any any decade dying. before that, without having a few of those. Yeah, we probably should be dead mm-hmm. moments, but yeah, fair yeah. enough. Mm-hmm. Okay, but so back back to the film, right? So I don't know. Like, you could talk about each individual section. You give like each each part some time. I think the highlights. I think the highlight of the film for me was when. It's finally when he's he's going he's working to get back in, not you know not, not the very end on the bridge, but everything that leads up to like to the dam at the end, everything that leads up to the dam. I really loved the dam itself. Is that that big moment that you know is going to happen? That you know where at least someone's getting out, that kind of thing. But leading up to that, you know, when he first goes back and to that point, I think was the best part of the film for me. I think the weakest part of the film. Is when he's trying to go back. Is when he he's trying to get back to uh, Afghanistan. Drunkenly screaming into a phone. Yeah, yeah. Like, and like I understand that as a part of the struggle, it, it's highlighting you know the, you know the the the, def- the deficiencies of what is our veteran system and our visa system and mm-hmm. all this stuff that you know all the circumstances that lead to this point. But it definitely is the weakest part of the film, and I think it's weak because we don't get any real development. We just get like what he's dealing with. Mm-hmm. I don't. I was surprised. Which sucks, we didn't, by the way. Well, yeah, yeah. I, I just, I, I'm surprised we didn't get more moments with him and his family. Honestly, because yeah, the family's kind all, of a secondary thing here. Well, it, it, for him, it is right. So, like, like, like that's where the big pull for him is, where he understands that he had a son that you know that he lost, and that he had he has a wife that was was just having a baby, and you know, if I thought it odd that I expected to lose 
either John, you know, John or lose um, the interpreter. I, I thought we were going to lose one of them, right? Because that's just the way these kind of films usually play out. I thought it odd that we weren't getting more time with Jake Gyllenhaal's character and his family because you want to build that big emotional point up, right? So when but, he comes back home so or not. Yeah, yeah. So it's one of those things where like, now I know why I guess maybe they didn't lean into that, but I expected more of the family unit there. It was like, you know, to, 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 I, it's a bigger decision, I think, to be home, have your family again, know everyone's safe, and to choose to leave that to go back to, you know, that war zone where you might not come back again. I think that's a huge sacrifice that people make. And I, I, I'm surprised I didn't highlight it a little bit more. Well, I'm also surprised his wife didn't go at him a little bit more. You know what I mean? About going mm-hmm. back in where she's just like, I understand how you are. The yeah, wife's the one that, that you have to do this. The yeah. wife's the one that said, "Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna mortgage the second. We're gonna mortgage the house. Mm-hmm. We're gonna put up whatever money the government won't. We're gonna get this guy out. We, we owe you. Yeah. We owe him your life coming back yeah. to us at least once." Yep. So, I mean, I, I thought that was an okay. As far as the family goes, I I agree with you, Chris. We should have gotten more of the actual family family time when he was in mm-hmm. California. But yeah, I, I think we get enough of. Dedicating more of that time to family would have just been detracting from the actual movie, I think, and the actual plot, um, or the, the the linear plot as it goes. I, I think we'd lost more of that, but I'm actually okay with what the wife, because the wife's the one that says it. Like, she's, yeah, being a military wife, you understand things like duty and honor and debts that have to be repaid. You'd understand that better than most, especially when someone brought your husband back from death. And deliver yeah. him to the doorstep. Like you don't. Yeah. Like I think you'd understand that more than a normal. Please don't go back on another tour, wife. Well, or, yeah, yeah, um, but 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 I I believe we didn't get like enough time with the family period to just show the bond that he's that he's risking. Yeah. You know, I think I think that's my biggest gripe with it. Not not like so his much kids are basically an afterthought to this film. Yeah, hundred percent. So I I don't know if that you know how. Like how much of that had to be cut out or if there was more there. But I, I do think that that was a, a, a checkbox in the negative for me. I mean, that's sure. fair. I, I, I get that. And of course, you know, I think we all want more family time. Um, I, I, the movie really could have maybe cut out 10 minutes of after the ambush, but before the abduction mm-hmm. and really given us 10 minutes and other maybe a minute here, a minute there, two well, minutes I mean, here, three minutes. If you're there. cutting time out, we could have had ten minutes off his seventy-five mile trek. True. Uh, well, yes, but then it also wouldn't have. I don't think would have been so impactful. Mm, I don't know. I think you could. You, I think we could have honestly done a little bit less of 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 the seventy-five miles. I think would have been just fine and still delivered the same weight in the movie. Because you still understand from what Jake Gyllenhaal remembers, right? You like mm-hmm. when you see it from his perspective, when he when he realizes that he was in the truck bed with the people trying to find him, and somehow he still made it through that. When he was in the cart, and he's and at the very end, and he still went through that. Like all these things, you get to see from his perspective, really shows the weight of what's on you know John's shoulders. Yeah. So I think you could lose a little bit of the journey, the little stuff along the way, and you know still got the payoff you know and the feeling across i i I agree how did you guys feel about the ambush at the factory i mean this this is a big talking point for me so i don't know i think you know from a we're coming from a team that a jtac team that's pretty on point you know procedurally i don't think they did a very good job here (laughs) 
You know what I mean? Like they never cleared yeah. certain things, left themselves open. You know, I think, I, I, but I think people had to die for the story. Yeah, I, I think my biggest thing is is that um, the interpreter has shown himself to be far too smart to not figure out that that the guy was buying time, especially after they call out that he was on his phone. Mm-hmm. That guy is way too smart and knows too much about you know how these how how you know these terrorists operate to not you know to not put that together immediately and say we have to go you know there's going to be yeah, more people here you, you almost instantly. get the hell out you know what yeah. i mean yeah like 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 i i think he's too smart and they didn't and they kind of like don't use that to you know to its fullest and it kind of puts a hole in that character in that part of the story to make you know the tragic loss of you know the whole team going down happened, yeah. which I, I get something has to happen to make that happen. I get it, but like you said, the team's too good, and that guy's way too smart and has already proven it to where he would have figured that out real quick. Well, just and the so, other thing is, right? If you think you're overmatched like this, you just bail, call in the airstrike, and get that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Just blast it. Yeah. Well, that also is. I'm surprised you say that, Roger, because usually I'm the one that brings up those little mundane details of what the movie didn't do. And you guys are like, I think you're overthinking it. But I was also thinking that like, they didn't have anyone up on the Hill. They didn't have anyone watching from above. Like they had a sniper that was looking down, but there was no one looking above them. He was looking down from a midpoint, though. <laughs> well, that's well. Then, again, it just didn't seem like they did everything to secure the area. playing Call of Duty and hiding behind <laughs> a barrel. <laughs> and, and hold on. I'm sorry. Nobody. Nobody is that good with a with a with a makeshift tube mortar ever. Anywhere. Oh my god! Right, he's just and like that, doop, that guy doop, is the, that guy's a goddamn wizard, just drop <laughs> dropping fireballs on people. And I just like like that was a little bit too much. They I think they needed to show a couple of them. So there's like an actual volley of you know we hope we hit them fire. Mm-hmm. That dude was on the mark with what looked like it like like a post hole digger that was mm-hmm. welded in half. And dropping like you know makeshift missiles into it, yeah. whatever. Like he's shooting fireworks <laughs> out of this thing on the weekends, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like that, that was a little much for me, but I agree. I agree, hundred percent. That I would have preferred. Now again, I don't know how accurate that was. That I don't know how accurate the movie is, but if it's if there's some artistic, uh, what do they call it? If you take an artistic uh, license, liberties, liberties. liberties to do something, I almost would have preferred uh, the team the you know, two or three guys get killed in the initial attack and then they know more guys are coming and then they fall back and they are trying to get through the trees and run and more die. Like I would almost prefer that to the stand-up fight that we got because I think it was staged so poorly that I don't think a unit that's supposed to be that good would have let themselves get surprised by that many. They, uh, they get, yeah. uh, they put themselves in a kill box. Um, I just don't think they would have done that. That's a, that's a that's well, especially because like some of the fighting that we get later on, like in the damn scene, like that's good gunplay right there. You know what I mean? Like tactically, they're they're you know trying to use the small cubby holes and shooting around and stuff like that. And I appreciated that. And it makes me think back about the uh, the um, mine scene a little bit more. It's like it makes it even worse to me. I I do. One well, one thing I liked and I I, I noted at the time was. There's a piece of music. I think it's a violin piece of music that's playing as the team is getting systematically killed one by one. Mm. And I thought that was beautiful. It was almost I, – I did think that was a good way to offset what was happening with uh, on screen was we got that beautiful piece of music, the violin that was playing as the team was being was being outnumbered and killed one by one. Um, so that moment I do think 
is more for me memorable than not memorable than but i mean you could pick out any one of the any military scene in any movie and say they didn't do what they needed they didn't do what military people at the time would have done but then you're also making a movie and telling a story that has to move quickly you can't just it'd be hard to do everything accurately within the confines of telling a story and having it move at a quick pace that we need it to move yep so but then i i think when we get to you know when we're getting to the the fight at the end where you know we got the contractor guys are like they're not even fucking around they're like hey send the angel you know which is the angel that's the fucking gunship like Mm -hmm. that's just the finisher like no one comes back from this (laughs) you know if you ever played a war video game in the last 10 years when the gunship comes out everyone dies (laughs) every one of those guys were running out of the spawn in groups doing it the wrong way and Look, just racking up that. You know what streak. comes after a gunship, right? A tactical mm-hmm. nuke, because that's just that's what happens. And that guy, hey, that guy got twenty five. I know seven eleven twenty five always. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. What is seven eleven twenty five? What? what, what, what is oh, that? that's the old modern warfare. Yeah. Um, the old original modern warfare too. At seven, you got the um the yeah, Harrier yeah. jet. Yep. At uh, eleven, you got the chopper gunner, and. 14 kills later, you drop a tactical nuke. (laughs) And if you're like me, you just wait until the end of the match and then pull a tactical nuke like an asshole. Yep. (laughs) I mean, I would never do that 11 times in my life. Thank you. (laughs) Interesting. I I think this is a good point. I I think we can talk about the the damn scene, you know, now, right? Sure, I I think think so. Yeah. So the dam is, is feels like a whole nother a whole nother like piece of film in this where it gets very fast. It gets very, it gets very just, there's a lot going on all of a Frenetic. sudden. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and the people that were that big word, people that were with at the end and the odds that are going against, they feel unsurmountable. And I know that's the point of it, but I, I'm, I'm almost upset with the way it happens. I think I would have liked to have seen maybe a situation that was a little bit more could have been manageable, but you know, it heavily outweighs them, not a literal death sentence looking in front of them with no way out of it. Unless someone comes in with a AC one thirty, you know, carrier gunship mm-hmm. and that kind of, I think cheapened the entirety of, you know, of the payoff for me. Other than that though, I think they do a good job with, you know, John having that hopeless moment where he's just sitting there while the gunfire is happening, watching the the drive the driver that helped him, you know, get shot, and you know the baby crying in the background with the mother, all that stuff, you know, like I think they did that very well. I just I wish it wouldn't have been quite this, you know, this sea of faceless enemies versus them for you know that little bit of time they've tried to hold out until they get they get you know ex mockinged by you know the the gunship. <laughs> the I, hand I of God came down. Well, yeah, they struck them. You know they're not going to kill a woman and a child and a baby. You just you know that's never going to happen. I, you know what? Time. I don't know, man. Well, they would have, but there's no way Guy Ritchie was going to let it get to that point in the movie. So you knew that you, you knew you knew they were from the from the angles they were shooting and they were using the ang- the the shots to show the guys advancing. You knew there was a gunship coming. For some yeah. I don't like that. I would have preferred and again, I'm not. I'm not saying this is what should have happened. Because I think it's happened. I'm just. This is what I would have preferred. If I were doing this story, I would have. I would have had a, 
a John Kinley last stand, but he ends up killing like 25 of them while the interpreter and his family get out and get rescued by the the Marines that are coming behind. You mm-hmm. know, I just one of those moments, you know, I was thinking, OK, we're on a bridge. We're going to get a Tyler Rake moment extraction on the bridge where he kills everyone, but he takes a fatal shot and goes down maybe into the reservoir maybe on the other side, whatever, but a, a, a final heroic last stand to repay a debt that he's owed, that he owes somebody. I, I, I don't like what we, but I mean, it is a true story. They both make it out. So, or isn't it, or is it? Yeah. So those two made it out of Af- Afghanistan. I don't know if mm-hmm. these are the if circumstances that led to that, but those two definitely exited Afghanistan. So I think that's what the pictures at the end were showing you anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you, though. It kind of takes all that removes the tension, uh, which is unfortunate because the movie had built that last battle to be kind of an interesting one because you knew what had to happen. Mm. And also one of those things I don't think you think about during the movie, but he went back in with so little ammo and no grenades. The two grenades would have, well, he had, I guess he had a grenade because he blew up the, the truck, yeah. but a, a well-placed grenade on the road where those those three trucks were following with with those truckloads of dudes. You'd have killed all of them in one grenade. I don't think John Kinley planned on fighting the entirety of what is the entire the Western division of the Taliban. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like I don't think that was the plan. So I think his six clips, his two grenades, and his his one his one fully loaded uh, pistol. I think he thought was enough to sneak his way through the the countryside, find his guy, and get him to a safe point. He. Pl- fighting the entire Taliban was not in in the cards for him. Yeah, this was uh, in out hit and run. Yeah, you know, three days max. Yeah, the I found my the- dude. I found my guy, and two hours later, I need to be like landing in an air force base. Yeah, yeah, like he, he he's traveling in the back of a truck with some corn, dog. He's not he's not in there, you know, tactically to get some way out while he's fighting an entire army. But that's what ends up happening. I mean, that's fair. But don't you have to prepare for that? I mean, wouldn't you want to be prepared for that? I think you're prepared for what you can handle. Yeah. It's and I think it's it's clear to say he wasn't prepared to handle the entire Taliban. <laughs> well, and just remember too, his entire mission his entire trip in changed when yeah. the uh the contractor team got sent somewhere else. Yeah. So Again, yeah. I thought they would do – I mean, they did a little bit with that. When he gets back to Afghanistan and he's looking at the guy, he's like, I, I expect you to honor the deal that we made. Again, playing on the covenant thing of mm-hmm. we we made a deal. We You owe me. And the guy's like, then things change. And I, I understand on the other guy's perspective of, well, that was going to be on us, like on our spare time. And we've just given, been given orders. So I understand that they have to go. They can't just sit around. But I, I also – but it also allows a clever part of the movie that it makes Gyllenhaal go in by himself. And again, you would think Homelander would understand, right? You would think. You would think. Um, oh, that is Homelander. You guys kept saying it. I'm like, that's that. Okay, that is Homelander. You didn't I, know that, yeah? He looked <laughs> oh yeah. Like, Where do I know that guy from? Homeland. Yeah. I thought you meant the Jason Statham movie. I was like, what do no. you have that you meant the? Boys? No, I meant actual fucking Homelander. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's hilarious. But yes. Um, Things had dominoes had to fall a certain way to get Jillian Hall to go back in by himself. John Killing to go back in by himself, and I think one of the better moments of the movie is when he when he walks up and sits down and says, "A lot of dogs in this area." I think it's one of the better that conversation there is. I think one of the better conversations in the entire movie. 
I don't know why he's wearing glasses. I'm actually kind of off put by that because I don't think the Taliban have glasses. Why does that matter? <laughs> I just think I just think. Nope. He, hold on, because if you look at that guy, you know he's definitely a Westerner, not from Afghanistan. So be, hold on. No so, question. so are you saying that you think that he thinks his big grandma sized glasses hides the fact that he is a white devil beneath his uh well he didn't seem disguise? to hide it. He didn't seem to hide it when walking in the alley. He didn't seem to he didn't seem to hide his his hands or his face or anything that wasn't I, already hidden by the I think burka. he knows he I think he knows he can't hide. That's not what I don't think that's what was happening there. Well, he I was, didn't he was, he was acting very responsibly then, is what I'm asking. I, th- I think he needed the glasses. He had them on in the truck by himself while he was reading the map. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, I know. I'm, I maybe would have omitted that little... I would have omitted uh, that one little fact if I were making this You think movie. eyesight is a joke? No. <laughs> <laughs> I just... He didn't have any other it's idea. a bold stance to take. If oh, you wear glasses, goodness. you're weak. <laughs> oh, man, I did not say that. Homelander <laughs> didn't need them. All I'm saying, Homelander didn't need them. Um... I did like that moment, and I like how it fed into the end. I, I wish the ending had gone a little differently, more heroic, more of a last stand mechanic. I wish the ending had been different, but again, I didn't make it, so I'm just watching it. And the, the high hopes I had, I think, were playing into that. But overall, I think I'm very happy with the the overall product that we got. So, I mean, like, I'm I'm able to point out all the things that like kind of like rubbed me the wrong way. You know, I've talked a lot of praise on the film too. I, I I like this movie a lot. Like I think it does a lot of good things. I think it's different. It's out. It's outside of the usual, you know, the usual wartime movie, modern wartime movie we get. I love the subject matter. I like the 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 two character dynamic that we we get to ride, you know, multiple times from different perspectives on you know back and forth with them. I do like this film. I think it's good. You know, it has its problems, hundred percent, but I think it's a good movie. Tristan, what about before we move into it, Roger? What are your final thoughts on it? I mean, look, I think the movie's pretty good. Um, like I said, I wasn't as much. I don't feel like I'm as much in love with it as you guys might be. I guess maybe that's a strong thing. Like, I, I think this movie has some problems. Um, it's not the best war thing I've ever seen, uh, but I mean, it plays out pretty well. You know, I like the interaction with uh, um, John and the Sergeant Volks, where he's like, "You owe me," you know, basically get those goddamn visas. You know, mm-hmm. I yeah. saved your life. I'm calling in my debt, you know, and then just leaves. Yep. <laughs> what a power move that was. <laughs> um, yep. So I respect that. I mean, I like I like this movie overall, though. It's it's it. It was a fine way to spend a Saturday evening. Yeah, I agree. And like I, like, I also like his interaction earlier interaction with him, too, where he's like where he goes. He goes, I really enjoyed this conversation. We didn't have <laughs> it's like. I, like I, I like that kind of that dialogue, you know that 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 playfulness back and forth within that sphere. I think that's that was a nice touch. I agree. That's a good moment too. Actually, one of the better moments when Jill and Hall's pretty much looking down at the commander who's sitting, not in a position of power, uh, and pretty much telling him how it's going to go with those baby blues, <laughs> those blue eyes that Jill and Hall has. Uh, I think so. Let's just one more one thing I want to talk about is how many guys do you think could have done this? Besides Jake Gyllenhaal, I mean, are we talking dozens? Are we talking like there's probably like five or six that could have done we're, this. We're talking five, like if that. I think Gyllenhaal is a unique actor within, you know, our current sphere of possible choices for films. And I think that if I don't get to see at least, you know, seven or 
seven to ten more Hall films before he's done working, I'm going to be very sad about it because I think he is fantastic from start to finish in most of the things that he's ever been in. You don't think we're going to so, get ten more Hall movies at, 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 at very least? I don't know. We'll get ten more Hall movies in six years, buddy. Yeah, I, I mean, we'll, yeah, we'll of see. Course. Barring in we'll, some timely death or something, <laughs> we'll see. Or, or a nuclear device going off and killing everybody. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Wait, solar flares? Solar flares. <laughs> um, no, I, I think legitimately you could have had Hall do this. Obviously, you could have probably the th- two of the three Chris's could have done this. Three or four Chris's could have done this. Um, I mean. Ryan Gosling could have done this probably. Ooh, um, who else am I missing? What about I mean, DiCaprio? I, no, no DiCaprio old. doesn't have it. Uh, however, I think I think I think um, I think Ben has it. Well, DiCaprio already did this in Blood Diamonds, so don't say he can't do it. But if you think he's too old, that's another thing. Well, he can't do it now, and that's what we're talking about. Fair, yeah. okay. I mean, Gerard Butler could have done this. You wait, wait, hold on. Mm. Russell, Russell Crowe could have done hold this. On, hold on, hold on, no. I'm just saying what you just told me. No, 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 no. Just give me. <laughs> I, know, I, I, I see what you're saying. See, he's too old, but Chris understood what I meant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's 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 further making fun of your of what you. you oh, suggested. okay, fair. Um, so see now I, I think I think Brad Pitt could have done it. I think he's. I think he is one of the few of like the older like actor generation that could have pulled this one off and effectively. And I do think that. Ben Affleck could have done this, honestly. Ooh, Ben, that's a that's a that's a decent choice. I don't think I uh, think Krasinski could have done this. Oh yeah, yeah, actually Krasinski could have been doing it. Has name? He has Jack Ryan pretty much. So yeah, far. yeah, yeah. But, but that's why, but, like Chris Pratt, like I've I've watched that show, The Terminal List. Oh yeah, The Terminal mm-hmm. List. He plays a seal pretty convincingly. So, where the show itself's not that great, but yeah, you know. Who else could have done it? I wonder. I, Michael Arangano could have done this. Oh, I'm trying to think of some younger guys that. Oh, what about Miles Teller? Only if he rocked the mustache. Yeah. Could Tom Cruise have done this? <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I, I'm kidding. I don't think so. Tom, um, I, I don't yeah. think Tom Cruise could have. Done Michael that. B. Jordan could have done this. Yeah. Okay, I could see that. Zac uh, Efron could have done this. I think so. I would like to see who was up for this. That's what I, I want to wait for in yeah. a few months when the DVD comes out or, or the but, TV to DVD. But again, I think I think saying that these guys could have done this is different than saying they would have done just as good as or had the same effect that Hall had in this film. Because I think that, again, Jake Hall brings something very specific to like certain roles, and I think he does this very well. I think the only other one that could have like done this on an equal, on an, on an equal field to like that kind of that kind of storytelling and character telling would have been Krasinski actually think just so like if there's something about the, about these two actors that they feel very like personable while they're on screen, like you could connect with these people. They, they have that. That's the kind of charisma that they have where like you just, you feel like you've known these people for a long time. Whereas other actors, they can make you believe in a character. They can bring, you know, they can bring the gravitas to it. But like something about Jill and all's acting, I think Krasinski too, where like, like you know that guy, and it, it, it's a, it's a weird feeling. It's a weird charisma that they have. In my, you've just seen him so much for so long, you just understand it. Oh, I get it. Yeah. Well, yeah. I just watched October Sky this week, and Jill Hall, of course, is the lead in that, and he does have even at a younger age, he has that that on screen charisma that just his his co stars don't have. Yeah, and didn't even have then is some of the other guys. Um, I don't think 
I think one of the one of the other serious people I think really could have done this with with Gosling, and he he would have done it. It would have been better than Gyllenhaal. I think Gosling's a better actor what? than Jake Gyllenhaal. What? I don't know if it would have been better. It would have been different. I don't think Gosling is on the same caliber as Gyllenhaal in any world. You're right. He's mm. above him. No, 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 no. I, I, I don't. I disagree with that violently. Hold on. I can't. I mean, after seeing no. Blade Runner 2049, I cannot give nope. you Gyllenhaal or nope. Gyllenhaal above him. I, I can't do it. Okay, Listen. Roger. What do you think? You're be tiebreaker. I, I have to feel with Grayson on this. Listen, I'm not trying to knock Gyllenhaal in any way. I think uh, Gosling is probably a tick above him, though, in most things. Um, but I also think he's more selective in what he does. So Gosling, yes, mm-hmm. that movie know. Drive, I think, is an example of what Gosling can do when you let him be Gosling. I think that's a very good Blade Runner. Also, you know when example. he he's gonna get a he's gonna get an Oscar nom for being Ken in the Barbie movie. So <laughs> that shock blonde hair of his dancing mm-hmm. with, with only a you see those abs, t-shirt. bro. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but no, it's it's a good conversation to talk about who else could have done this. And like, not to take anything away from Gyllenhaal. I think Gyllenhaal is a fine actor. I just don't think he's. I think Gosling getting into that conversation of Gosling might be one of the finest three that we have of of younger male leads that isn't right now a middle aged man. But I don't think Gyllenhaal is quite there yet. Uh, I don't know. But again, I'd be I'd be curious to see when a year from now passes who was considered for this and who turned it down and who passed on it. That's always interesting. And there's there was that Mark Wahlberg. What was that Mark? I've been trying to think of it the whole time. I don't like to. I like to just think of it. But the Mark Wahlberg film, Ben Foster. Oh, Lone Survivor. Where they yeah. where, where they go in and they're they're a SEAL team and um they get torn apart and everyone killed except for. Spoiler alert: Lone Survivor is the name. Right. Spoiler from 2016. That's a long time ago. But yeah, it's I don't think Wahlberg could have done this. I don't think I think Ben Foster may have actually been able to do this. Now that I think about it. Ben Foster's a weirdo. And actually now that I think about it, Chris, I'd even say Ben Foster is above Jake Gyllenhaal. Whoa. In acting chops. Knock that shit off. <laughs> I, I'm just I Ben Foster's a fine actor, man. I'm not saying Jake Gyllenhaal's not. I just think Foster is amazing. What was um, that nine one one movie we watched with him a while ago? Oh, oh, what he, where the camera stayed on him almost the entire yeah. time. Yeah, that was good. I'll give you that. That movie That's, was good. Yeah, I don't remember what it was called, but that was a Netflix thing, if I remember right. And also was the ambulance too. <laughs> Michael yeah, was a, yeah. That's did also you just on, say Ben Foster is better than Jake Gyllenhaal. He did. He should I be did? ashamed. Get no. Listen, <laughs> I had listen. I had to look him up. you owe that man an apology (laughs) do i i would imagine they're if they're not equal then jill hall is not above him by much a measurable amount i I had to look him up hold on a second that's just because you don't know who ben foster is not because he's not famous you had to look the last knew who he is one two three four five six seven eight in the last nine movies he's not even the lead that he's been in Fair, whatever, but I think he's a fine actor. Anyway, so we should move into scoring this. Yes, we should. Yeah, we should. All right. This is taking a weird turn of slandering Jake Gyllenhaal unnecessarily. (laughs) (laughs) And also, I think DiCaprio is a much finer actor than Jake Gyllenhaal, too. I will throw it out there. Okay, that's fair. No one's arguing that. No one said that. DiCaprio is like... 
You guys said DiCaprio is too old for this role, but Brad Pitt is not too old for this role. Yeah. So here's Brad- hold on, hold on. I understood what Chris meant with that because look, if there's somebody that can play like a haggard old badass anymore, yeah. I exactly yes over you know. over DiCaprio in this scenario, yeah. I would if straight up if they had to do this role today, I would prefer that Brad Pitt did it. Instead yeah. of DiCaprio and, and, and Grayson that. here, and, and I'll ask, and I'll I'll explain that further by asking you this question: If you had to choose one to ha- to get into a fist fight with, are you choosing DiCaprio or Brad Pitt? Yeah, DiCaprio. Yeah, okay. Exactly. Yeah, yeah there, there's no way. Yeah, okay, fair, fair, fair. But I remember I so watched I just, Wolf of Wall Street again yesterday. <laughs> so I just <laughs> so I they said Sony said even in 2013 when they were shooting Fury. They thought Brad Pitt was at least ten years too old to play a tank commander, but they gave, but he was Brad Pitt, and they was just on the cusp of what they thought was believable, so they gave it to him. But yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, I just I thought that was interesting too. But all right, so I'll I'll start off since this was my most anticipated. Okay. okay. All right. Going. So what I expected, what I would I in a, in a in a scenario that I would have gotten what I wanted with my most anticipated would have been anywhere from a nine to a nine and a half. I, I think it's fair to say that, that, that this movie is anywhere from seven to a seven and a half, and I'm going to err on seven and a half instead of seven. Okay. Okay. I think there's some excellent dialogue in here. I think Guy Ritchie was oddly enough. Whenever I hear Guy Ritchie's doing a movie that I want to see, I'm like, God damn it, why? But this one, like King Arthur, for example, he was the absolute wrong guy to make that movie. The, the King Arthur, whatever reboot that was going to be, that they wanted three sequels to that movie, and they got zero sequels. So. It was just really oddly the way it was told. But this, I could accept Guy Ritchie's. There was enough of his signature here that I could tell Guy Ritchie made it, but less of the weird stuff that didn't belong here that I was okay with it. And I like Hall in this. I think he does a fantastic job. I like. I thought Dar Salim stole the show, though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Especially some of those scenes when like he's rescuing, when he's killing the Taliban that are taking Hall, and he just like walked up to that guy and just shoots him in the head. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just awesome man that 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 camera angle that we had through the as the passenger in the car looking at the driver looking at dar salim it's like that just gave me chills like that guy yep. i hope Good this guy stuff. gets more roles because he deserves it but yeah i'm i'm pleasantly surprised now chris earlier in the week you texted us and you said are you sure we made the right choice choosing covenant yeah. and i i'd taken that to mean i went radio silent on reading all reviews i didn't want to see any scores i just like i'm just gonna wait until i watch the movie i want to go in as as non-biased as I possibly could mm-hmm. and I did that so I was worried that you had seen it and it was really a stinker but no no I was pleasantly surprised when I was when I left this movie and I was very happy with it okay. uh, yeah so, so I think seven and a half is uh, well earned okay I'll, I'll go second on this one uh, I, I think I'm going to echo most of what you said about your points uh, I think Jake Gyllenhaal was the right man for this job I think the story that these two characters tell along the way is a good story it is exciting and besides a long middle being a few minutes too long and then a disappointing conclusion to act three i think the film's strong and i i i I believe i'm seven and a half with you as well grayson because i i want to give it an eight but there's just too many things i can point at that hold it back from the eight and but it's better than a seven in my in in my head so seven and a half is where i gotta land yeah, that's how I feel too. I couldn't quite award the eight, but mm-hmm. I felt very comfortable, you know, saying seven and a half. So, yep. see, look, the, I don't, I don't feel bad here because, like, I was going to go with a seven here, and I'm still going to stick with a seven. Okay. Um, but like the way you guys were talking earlier, I was like, man, somebody's going to give us a nine, and I'm gonna be like, you, you, no, <laughs> and. <laughs> 
like I mean, look, this movie's this movie's pretty good. Um, it does drag a little bit, especially through like legitimately the whole middle of the movie. Um, but everything else kind of works. Um, like I think my dad will love this movie, which is you know I'll, I'll gift it to him later on in life. Um, so I, I like this a lot. I think Darceline, like you guys said, really does take the lead role here. You know, if Ben Foster would have been here, it would have been a little bit of a different story, probably. <laughs> Fair enough. Everything I said was just made up. No, um, I think a seven though is where where I stand here. Can you remember a time when we when all three of us gave something over a seven and we didn't really like? No one wasn't like you're nuts or I, it's been a while. It's been a while. Yeah, well, I mean, you usually cause that. You seem to come in more aligned. You with, skew like, you know, stuff higher up the scale sometimes because. Well, you know. I'm a big fan of emotion, and I, I do, I've always believed that the, the marriage of sound and image on screen is the perfect marriage that people have ever made. There's nothing better. I get it. I Maybe get it. Grayson You're... loves love. I hey, do listen, love love. I, I understand, buddy, but you're always going to be the guy that gave Joker a seven. <laughs> that, look, and I'm, I stand by that. As a matter of fact, I stand by my hard seven. I really do. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so great. I'm glad that we're all kind of... We enjoyed that one. Just as a little ins- like kind of a background, we'd almost considered not doing Covenant because it just wasn't doing any money. Yeah. Uh, but we ultimately, and that was number one on my list, and I'm, I'm thankful that the guys saw that my, my, my way. But mm-hmm. um, I'm, I'm very happy that we got to see this. And I'm, something like this is, I just saw an article about Black Hawk Down is every time Black Hawk Down goes on a streaming service, um, either it's, it's, it's very often on Netflix and or HBO Go or HBO Max, soon it'll just be Max, but... Those two, they they said it gets like uh, tens of millions, twenties of millions of views every time they put it on, and it's like people love and like so does Lone Survivor, so does all the military shooters from the past twenty years, and I think this movie has a special place. It's going to have a, it might not have done well in the box office, but it's going to do very well for a streaming service. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I I'm excited to watch this wherever it lands because because I do want to watch this one again. I can see this on Netflix in like a month, month and a half, maybe even even sooner. It may even end up allegedly on the torrent sites, um, but yeah, that's I can see this doing very well on uh, as Second Life on streaming services, um, just getting constant weekly weekly views. So yeah, very happy cool. we all liked it. All right, gentlemen, sirs, thank you for joining for this episode of three hundred and twenty-seven or three hundred twenty-eight a of For the Love of Cinema. A movie podcast. Each new episode posts every Tuesday and Friday at 5 a.m. on the podcast service of your choice of the following five Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music. Please leave a comment or two, rate, subscribe. Every little bit helps. More importantly, thank you for listening. Check out the show on Twitter at Love Cinema Pod. I am at Grayson Maxwell One. I am at Rod Stillian. I'm Christopher Bond. So don't forget to check us out on Facebook, always posting things on social media. Email the show at for the love of cinema podcast at gmail.com. And next week, we're taking a look at Evil Dead Rise, a theatrically and Pan and Wendy on Disney Plus. Woo!